0: Spidey senses tingling yellow he's used his editorial powers to relieve the drinking rule tonight for one host one night only he's slim. He's the host of the Paper Keg Podcast This is episode 152 Welcome to the show uh,
1: Paperkeg.com This is a podcast where Three Fathers talk about comic books We do a book club to close out the show You ever heard of Brian K. Vaughn? You ever heard of him? Pride of Baghdad. clap.
2: clap killers. Give it up for them gangsters.
1: Uh, the guy that introed the show. He's a little upset because he has been forever banned from drinking on this podcast. Absolutely.
0: After
1: after he verbally assaulted one of his dearest friends (laughs) on the show, the ban was instituted. Check the tapes for that. Uh, Jonesy loves beer, unpublished writer. Might never be published. He's working on something. I don't know what he's got going on, but welcome. Uh,
0: Thank you. And for the viewers, uh, I attempted to dampen my bright sun face by wearing something red. And uh, as you can tell, it's had no effect on the color-draining effects of my vampiro face.
1: It's like that scene in uh, the movie Sunshine where they're standing in front of the sun and their skin is melting away. (laughs) That's that's where we are right now. Did
3: you just make up a movie to... could go along with the joke of Jonesy's face being.
1: You, I know. You need to Google Sunshine. I think the guy that did 28 Days Later was in it. Or was directed it or something.
0: It sounds like a Jonesy Scarecrow story was telling. in it. The guy who played the Scarecrow was uh, in it.
3: Oh, yeah. Cillian Murphy. Thank you. What about a uh, movie that would most compare to Jonesy wearing a leopard print woman's blouse <laughs> for one of our episodes? Tootsie. <laughs>
0: to- Dustin Hoffman.
3: It. Yeah. I'll make uh, with Kimberly.
1: Speaking of uh, sexy women, you're a sexy man, Dale underscore A. You just pounded some five-year-old scotch in a plastic <laughs> cup. Um, you look amazing. You're a father. You're the fave phenom on Twitter. The like Lothario on Facebook. You're really into Facebook right now. You started late. Your Facebook horse broke late. I did. Welcome to the show.
2: Let's make it all for one, all for love. But the one you hope is the one you want. The one you need. Because when it's all for it's one for all. When there's
0: that you know, Can I be the sting... In this scenario, uh, you know, slim, I volunteer you as Rod Stewart. Thank you. I'll be Brian Adams. I don't even care. I
3: love Brian (laughs) Adams. You said
1: that as if everyone
3: hates Brian Adams. (laughs) That's true. I just decided to take his back because he got picked last
1: in the kickball game. What was the last thing Brian Adams did in the last 20 years? Someone get at me right now. Oh, Uh, you know what he
3: did? He did. I think, I bet you it was the um that Spanish-sounding song. Have you ever, really, ever, ever, ever loved a woman?
1: That sounds exactly like the song you just played. <laughs> like oh, pitch perfect, and you just changed the words around.
3: It's, <laughs> it's very close. It's very close. So. Uh,
1: what a show we have. We're going to be talking about Brian K. Vaughn's Vertigo Pride of Baghdad sleeper hit. I barely even heard of it. I can't. Did, you, did uh, either of you look to see who recommended this book to us like hundred episodes ago? I Somebody certainly did.
3: didn't look. I can tell you, it was one um, Christopher Grunden. Hmm. Uh, I forget what his uh, Chris G nine eighty three or something on Twitter. That was his uh, user submitted entry for our one hundred epi- episode <laughs> uh, book club extravaganza. Whiskey's rolling good tonight,
2: eh?
3: Huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, to um, technically we were supposed to record on Thursday, and um, I was going to be t- attending a happy hour before that, but then I end up having to cancel on the guys completely. so as recompense
1: Shh. <laughs> You know what I did the other day? You know, I was sitting back when we were supposed to be doing the book club for this show. When Dale was out gallivanting around with maybe ten-year-old Scotch, yeah, paying. For I it. sat back. I sat back with my dear friend Chris Sarandon and Fright Night on Netflix. Mm.
3: God's honest truth. All right, it's nineteen eighty-five. Chris Sarandon is probably. America's uh, sexiest man alive, according to People sure. Magazine in 1985. Agent calls up Chris. We got this. We got this role. It's going to be a. Va- it's going to be a, a different kind of a vampire movie. Roddy McDowell's in it. You're going to be playing opposite Amanda Bear's. Crickets. Crickets. Silence. As Chris Sarandon on his landline phone in 1985 (laughs) is probably just like Amanda Bears really? This is what? I'm Chris Sarandon and you're getting Man-Manda Bears to play opposite (laughs) me? And then his agent's probably like look Chris, we agreed you're gonna do a studio film and then we'll do one of your movies, alright? We're gonna do studio and then your movie. (laughs) That's the agreement we made. But then he's gotta do He's got a pour on hundred and ten
1: percent in that club scene. He did an admirable job with her. I mean, I think she had to be the bookish character, you know, bookish. People still use that word when describing a, you know, only the most sexist of men. <laughs> so that's so that's right out of your handbook. Then <laughs> it's right my wheelhouse. Right. The how about how she looked when she was vampiric? Though I mean, oh, they boy. might have used a body double. I mean they definitely use some kind of upper body double. Yeah, that that mouth, the
3: jaw of her snake vampire mouth hinged at under the ears with that with that mouthpiece on. It was it was Fright Night. She, she looked like Baraka. She did look like Baraka, yeah. I think that's where I the mean,
1: inspiration come for that character is from Fright Night on Netflix.
3: A uh, little known fact while I was trying to research where the club scene of Fright Night took place. found out the 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 club singer who's singing that song raised in Philadelphia, PA. Wow. Uh-huh. Local hero. Yep. Just got were a website you trying
1: out to, Were you trying to see if we could hold our next paper keg, paper keg meetup at this uh, club establishment? Oh, man. I was, or at least can refer a tweet to it. <laughs> it would have been what amazing. Are the, what are the chances we can get Chris Arandon to the next paper keg meetup?
2: It's Megan! and are for love But the one you hold
1: This just in... I have Brian Adams on the line. He's free and available. (laughs) Yes. Brian Adams and Chris Sarandon.
0: Does it sound like
1: Brian's wearing denim right now? Can you tell through the phone? He definitely sounds desperate. I can't say that much. (laughs) We have quite a show. BKV, Brian K. Vaughn, Pride of Baghdad. You know, I had no idea what this book was. We'll get into later in our book club segment. That's usually around the 30-minute mark. Um... Apparently, it won like every award under the sun when it came out. What the heck was I doing that that year when this book came out? I'd never heard of it. We'll get into it. Yeah, that's all, yeah, I, that's all I have to say about it for now. Yeah, a time check. Show.
0: Where are we at on this show?
1: Ten minutes, my lord. We got to get <laughs> into it. We're forty minutes
0: in, and we've covered the life story of Brian Adams, and Dale is most assuredly tanked. Little-known fact: Brian Adams is a Canadian, I do believe.
1: I don't think that's a so, little known. If I can be blunt, I think everybody does that. Well,
3: agree to disagree. then.
1: Fave Phenom. Brian Adams historian. <laughs> uh, so this segment, you know, we go around the room, this virtual room that we have, and we'll talk about the book that we read this week. Hopefully, we've had time to read other books besides our book club. Maybe. We'll see. Unlikely. But we're going <laughs> to just wing it and make up a book that's in our long box we read 15 years ago, and pretend we read it this week. Spoilers. Been a rough Jim week. Jensie loves beer. Your skin is melting off
0: in the face <laughs> of the sun. Uh, what did you read this week? Uh, I'm just like that scene for Terminator 2 where she just grasps the uh, chain-link fence as a nuclear bass. <laughs> Blast <laughs> just takes her is away. That, is that what happens when you look in the mirror in the morning? <laughs> Luckily, I have a Jing look fence right around my sink that I could just grab onto. Okay, so Superman, uh, Wonder Woman, issue number eight. Uh, you know, I got oh the God. series on the recommend from YouTube 2 mm-hmm. and uh, I love it. I, I'm going on record on the tape saying that I like a DC yes. book. So, you know, I don't even know where my emotions are right now, except that issue number eight uh, was a side of Wonder Woman... I have not seen yet, and that was Wonder Woman as the detective trying to <sighs> put the pieces together. What's up with Clark? Why does he have horny ridges all over his body? Oh, God. And why no, is he talking crazy. like a bee? And uh, Wonder oh. Woman's going to get to the bottom of it. She's going to use her God of War powers, which uh incredibly uh, clever here. You know, she approaches a uh, crime scene where the military has taken over jurisdiction. And she says, "Hey, soldier, what's up? Give you the news." And he's like, "Sure." Strange lady here's everything, and he's like, "Why did I just do that?" She's like, "I'm the God of War. All soldiers know me, and I know them. Pretty bad a line." Can I just say, owning it? Can I just say that I'm both both pleased
1: and disgusted with you, Jonesy. Mm -hmm. You you've done the the classic Jonesy version. (laughs) Jumped into part three of a storyline that uh, has gone on. I think. All issues came out that same week, but I'll mm-hmm. uh, give mm-hmm. you pre- credit. You jumped into a
0: new title, <laughs> part three. I don't care. DC pool, I jumped right in, no floaties. I'm in the deep end, swimming around Jonesy. With, with Diana Prince as the goddess of war. Did you read the previous seven, or did you, Just uh, read. you know, you can I've say downloaded no. them. I've downloaded I'm gonna them. That,
1: I'm going to take that as a no. <laughs> uh,
0: I think I read the one where he gets zapped by Doomsday, and he's all grotesque. From a mm. nuclear blast, that's not a word. So, um, but uh, listen, Superman, Batman. As someone who uh, reads no current New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. uh, I'm telling you, this is a great book that you should be reading.
1: I want to jump in here and say please, I was
0: stunned by how
1: much I enjoy Superman Doomed from DC Comics. They were they did a hell on Earth storyline where he had like some kind of. Kryptonian brother or something that came from. You know, his name's, like, Kal-El. This guy's name was H-apostrophe-E-L. Hell. Oh, Hell on Earth. See. It wasn't that great, but this one was actually really good. He fights Doomsday, oh. rips him in half, and then something's up with Doomsday. He's, like, overpowered, so like, the ooze, the symbiotic ooze, Superman just, like, inhales it to make sure no one gets hurt by it. And then he starts, like, acting, like, really weird to everybody, and
0: yeah, the that, aftermath was in this issue of Superman Wonder Woman. Part three, yes. Yeah, he's in. He's he's like uh, wrapped in a blanket and he's got a horny ridges ripping right through that blanket and he he's is be- disrespectful to his girlfriend Wonder Woman and she ain't taking it. I would buy a Tony Daniel Wonder Woman title like
1: that, me snapping oh, yeah. my fingers <clears throat> right now. <sighs> Tony Daniel Good. has got it. Heavens. Yeah. Good heavens, Deanna. I would like to take you out for ice cream. One night. That's what I would like to do with her. Take a nice long walk. Tony
3: Daniels' Wonder Woman uh, doing detective work. Jonesy probably had to pick up the pieces of his
0: denim as <laughs> it was ripped to shreds. My Brian Adams uh, Canadian tuxedo was uh, blasted through to pieces. <laughs> and horny ridges were <laughs> the culprit.
1: Oh, uh, gosh. But yeah, I highly recommend uh, that, that DC comic book and that arc. You know, believe it. That's Who's writing that? Charles? It's Soul. the CL man, <sighs> and it's Greg Pak on that run. Guess what? I checked. Charles Soule will
3: be in Baltimore, Maryland for Baltimore Comic Con.
0: I can't wait to meet that man. Shake I'm his hand. Gonna, I'm going to cosplay as a letter 44 person. I'm just going to dress like myself. That'll be the cosplay. I'm pretty sure it'll go
3: over big. I'll run I'll run in the other direction. <laughs>
1: uh, we need to move on from these shenanigans. Baltimore Comic Con, Paper Keg. At least two members, two living members of Paper Keg will be represented. I don't even know what that month is, that con. <laughs> who knows? I'll FaceTime in. Uh, Starlight mm. from our dear friend of the show dale's favorite writer mark miller he's good he's very good favorite writer of of yours uh and one of my all-time one of my all-time top 10 artists right now if i can be honest with you on starlight my boy goron you know he did the um the the pencils on fury max Whew. Uh oh. How amazing would it be if we could do that as a book club. Oh my god. Goron Barlov, please open your heart to me. Slim, are you it's that's like thirteen issues. I mean I mean we could turn that into a book club app, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the whole episode, Fury Max, read the whole thing. Oh my god. I, Goodness. That was your I, book of the uh, year one year. Book of the year twenty thirteen. I said it out loud to you in confidence. Maybe we'll get into it later. Okay. So Starlight is this combination Incredibles Unforgiven um, Flash Gordon. This dude pilots a airplane, gets wrapped up in another dimension, another planet, becomes a hero, saves the day. He's a hunk. And he comes back home. People don't believe him. They think he's a kook. So he lives in shame. And the only person that believed believed him was his lovely wife she's dead now gone rough so he's in the dumps the mental dumps and uh one night he's walking around the old house without a wife because she's dead and then this uh jet lands and it's this little kid and he's from that dimension that nobody believed he went to and the kid's like i need your help because you're the only person that could save us in the past. So this issue, they journey back to this mystical land uh, with this kid. And it's a asshole. Some guy has taken it over. It's not gorgeous anymore. It's not lush with wildlife and sexy ladies. And um, the only person that can do it is this dude. But he's old. He's ragged. Mm-hmm. And haggard. So the they have a statue of him at this place. So they're walking around and they oversee like this kind of this police beat down. And he finally jumps in and reveals himself to the world after like four decades that he's back. And they end up in uh, a prison at the end of the issue. And you're wondering, you know, what's going to happen next? I really like this series. Mark Miller. He uh, he oddly even trumps that all three issues have come out on time and monthly. Yeah. Wow. Which I can't even remember really what other book that's ever happened for him. But great book. Love it. I mean, Parlov's art, even page one, I said this, I can't remember who I was telling this to, maybe at work, but image books do it, but you don't really see it in Marvel books anymore or DC, but the first page of this comic will grab you. And image images books seem to do that more than anyone else. And, our Marvel books in the eighties and like early nineties used to do it with like this big splash page, like John Burns Superman Run, always had some kind of big splash page that made you want to turn the page. And seems like this book does the same thing. Just this gorgeous Goron splash page of this the the bad guy in this book overseeing what he's done to this planet. And it's just gorgeous. Love this guy. Wanna marry him.
3: <laughs> yeah, the uh I haven't read this issue yet, but very, very pleased. I mean, you can definitely bet I subscribe to that thing because super, super happy with the, And it's and it's three issues out already. I mean, what's the uh, what was that one? He just lasted Jupiter something something. Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's Jupiter's why I think it's like Children. F-
1: that one's or yeah, right? it, it, or it used to be Legacy and is now Children or vice versa because someone sued him or something. Whoa. But I think that one, they, oddly he even said this one was going to be like once every two or three months or oh. f- like five times a year or something weird. I do want to mention that I took a peek at our inbox and we have an email that just came in, subject line, the last thing Brian Adams did. <laughs> God bless <laughs>
3: our live watchers. Can't wait to get
1: to that letter. Uh, Dale underscore Ray, um, dear friend of the show, you know, probably the longest running host of the show. Outside of myself, you do another show about books called Book Jug. Uh, you were just on like eight episodes of the Echo Rift podcast, mm-hmm. guest hosting. I think Jonesy was also on one of them.
0: Alleged. Alleged, alleged official
1: appearance. Alleged podcast journeyman. Mm-hmm. So wait a minute.
0: Jonesy,
1: wait a minute. you were harping. Wait a second here. Yeah, hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> Back up. We just spent like 20 episodes harping about how you never guest hosted on Echo Rift and Flies under the radar,
0: under the <laughs> darkness of night. You you were just on an Echo Rift podcast. Yeah. Stop the internet presses. It happened. Uh, you know, we can't question the legitimacy because there was an official radio-free Echo Rift host there. So it's in the books. It's in the records. It's in the Library of Congress and the uh, podcast section.
1: Hmm.
0: It's I been I done.
1: Feel, I feel, can I be honest? I feel cheated right now. <laughs> You know, we tried to make this, uh, you know, a big deal for Jonesy. Never guest-hosted on this podcast that we've all been on. Yeah, not a lot of fanfare.
0: It's okay. I uh, yeah. I don't do things big. So, so did, it, did you wake you know up
1: me. the next day after that, and you were like,
0: man, nobody said anything about how I was on Echo Rift. No, uh, you know, uh, what I did was I burned that audio onto many Memorex uh, <laughs> CDRs, and much like uh, Indecent Proposal, just uh, rolled... Uh, in the nude on those CDs, because I had made it, I had, my ship had come in, as it were. The the most shocking thing about the description is you called
1: out Memorex, <laughs> out of all of that. His his CDR of choice, obviously. He's always talking about Memorex on this <laughs> it's show. It's the
0: brand of a new generation. <laughs> always talking about Memorex.
1: Uh, Dale underscore, please take us into what you read this week.
3: I went ahead and checked out. a new book by one of my favorite creative teams, Brian Michael Bendis, Michael Avon Oming, The United States of Murder, Inc. Hmm. And this, this book is about basically organized crime has never been squashed and... Probably more so, been more integrated into control of who has control over certain properties. The in this book, it sounds like most of the eastern seaboard is under 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 organized crime rule, and that's just accepted and and lived as. And this book opens on a gentleman, I believe his name is Valentine, or. It's Dad's hat, Pennsylvania Rye whiskey, and um, he is. Uh, we get him on his coronation day. Basically, he's being pinned and is becoming a, a full fledged member of this f- crime family, and he's sent on a mission to deliver a package to a U.S. senator in D.C. He delivers the package. He's leaving the building. Boom! Whole building blows up. So. Squires. The, the uh, heads of the family who sent him on this mission are denying it was them. A phone... I, I, they're blaming something else, some other possibility. But they're not quite sure what's going on. And then he gets back to his house and his mother, who seemed pretty proud of the fact that he was going to be a captain in this crime family, like she was, uh, you know in it with him like she was proud of the legacy that was built turns out Mm -hmm. to be a double agent and has been working with uh, West Coast um, law West Coast CIA or or I can't remember the the branch of the law but they're trying to get I guess a foothold back into um, this organized crime business and she's been a double agent so long that she had to birth an agent into the family because they knew, and she knew, that she couldn't get she couldn't uh, infiltrate as deep because she's not she wasn't blood she married into it. But her son, who was just made a captain, is uh, has been raised into it. So this kid's been you know raised for eighteen years under false pretenses, and now there's like a secret room in some house and his mother reveals that he's working with uh that they're working with agents and he is supposed to become the mole now and that's where the book leaves off it's very interesting and my, you know O'Ming's art is so unique it's that power style that you're so used to uh, I'm definitely in it for the next couple issues I don't I think the the biggest desire that left me was how much of a foothold did this crime family have In the properties and the into this in the states, how how deep does the influence go? I'm not sure if they are the law or if they Mm -hmm. just control the you know cops and stuff. Or because it doesn't really set the stage of what year this is or how deep it is. Like are captains of the crime family? Do they have security on their payroll or are they just paying dirty cops? Uh, That's like that kind of world building was not quite done and it still left me questioning but maybe maybe that's part of the uh the grand scheme of things but i mean if you like powers i think you'll dig this it's when bendis does legit crime stuff without superhero stuff it's it can be interesting and it's you, it's few and far between so i highly recommend it
0: maybe they'll keep to that uh power schedule they've been so adamant in <laughs> being uh uh, on time with
3: yeah exactly that's why his letters page is like see you next month probably maybe
0: <laughs> so <laughs> don't count on it
3: especially if oming's doing the art for it too i mean he's got i don't know what the, the powers the powers the bureau ever come out with a second issue or i think I there might know. be a second or a third but there's not much more than that
0: i mean it launched in what uh 1941 you know, uh,
1: how long is that? Like the longest undercover operation ever? I don't. I mean, I'm not familiar with the history of the police force, but that feels like a long time and pretty deep in undercover. It uh, to stay yeah. in and give birth to a child, <laughs> only to have that child also become undercover when the time is yeah. right, and and do, uh, do it done so under pretenses
3: such as that. I mean, that's got to be. That's like the mother coming to him and and just asking him a question and
2: the answer is free. Take a chance on me. If you need me, let me know, I'm gonna be around. If you got your place to go, you can meet down. If you are all alone where the pretty birds and the money free. Take a chance on me.
3: I love I love that song. Little
1: known fact. I love this song. I I was really interested in the uh, the twin towers at the end. Because I didn't yeah. pay any attention really to the territories comments until like I was done, and then I was like, wow, the two towers are there. And then, so then that, the line that indicates Before, like an alternate history. That's what I was assuming because I was having a conversation about it and then the territories like then played a vastly more important role because the two towers are still standing and then they talk about does he not know who your grandfather is or something like that or she's like a ready to tell him mm, I forgot and that. for whatever reason I got like a weird ex Machina vibe like oh I wonder if the grandfather was like responsible for saving the towers or try to take them down or he was the mastermind behind Mm. such and such so i wonder if that character will have any play like that that's
3: a good observation i didn't pick up on that but i other than the fact that it would indicate alternate history i didn't see much point in showing the two towers like that's the last page like you should be your bottom should fall out and the and your. Your excrement just flop on out onto the floor, like it wasn't a last page that was like what. But maybe that, if it's connected in some way, maybe it holds it bears more weight. Maybe.
1: Also, I do want to point out that um, the digital version of that, which I read, had like forty more pages of extra stuff. It had the script and it had sketches and stuff at Mm -hmm. the same price as the print one, which I thought was interesting. Bendis. Bendis knows what he's doing. We're we're running over. You know, we we've been playing all the Brian Adams hits tonight. Mm-hmm. We need to get into the lightning round. Two sentences or less. Another book you've read, Jonesy Loves
0: Beer. The Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, issue number one. Oh I'm glad you read this. Chi the Marvel Master of Kung Fu is given a revenge mission by Captain America to go investigate the fall of one of his former colleagues. Great start to a character that I didn't know, but I'm now interested to learn more about. Lightning elaborate.
1: Southern Bastards by Jason Aaron and Mr. Latour. Elderly man comes back to southern town, which has changed. Time to bust heads? Question mark? I'm in. Comma, I'm in. Comma, Jason, I'm in. Period.
3: Original Sin number 1 by Jason Aaron and Michael Diodato Jr. Someone has murdered the Watcher and stolen his eyes. That's I think about the implications and what seems to be turning it into an Avengers-type book is going to be a fun ride. Slim, I know we differ on Michael Diodato, but I love his work
1: two and a half sentences. Pride of Baghdad from Vertigo, Brian K. Vaughan. Nico Hendrishan. Never heard of this until somebody recommended it to us. Chris, haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, he's around. Maybe he's dead. I see him on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're big on Facebook. Little no, known you're fact. A, you're a hot ass. You're a hot Facebook ass. Somebody send me a friend request. I, uh, I'm lonely. You know, I look on my Facebook maybe once a day, once every few days, see what's popping with my wife. And I look, Dale's got like a few posts a day, 30 likes a piece, 10 comments. No way. Guy Never. is a Never. legend. I strive Any for that. Any social media you touch, it uh becomes inflamed. No, that's not with true. With love. Because I have family and I post
3: pictures of my kids maybe. But when I tell you that I throw good comedy bit out there, falls flat on its face because nobody understands me on Facebook. I mean, it is a wasteland. That is where
1: there. you, this is like your open mic night. Where yeah. nobody knows exists, and you go there, and then you, you put out the finalized material on Twitter and us in yes, G-Chat. Twitter and you guys get me. Before, before we get into Pride of Baghdad, can I just say, great shots this weekend with you oh, cool. on the Thanks. Instagram. Yeah. Great shots. Thanks. I didn't want to overdo it,
3: but I wanted to get a few out there. Just a taste. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, I, I uh, had fun. It was peaceful
0: there. Jonesy, what is pride of Baghdad amidst the u s invasion of Iraq? Uh, the capital zoo is bombed, and a pride so they did there of lions is, <laughs> is unwittingly released into the capital city.
1: Dan underscore uh, does not speak for paper keg. <laughs>
0: <laughs> as a whole. This uh, this uh, straggling group of lions uh, tries to make their way in the city while searching for food, shelter, and a way out of the harm from both other escaped animals and the U.S. military. Uh, going so far as discovering the palace, defeating a crazed bear, and ultimately seeing the horizon for the first, last time? Prior to Baghdad.
1: I feel like we should we should grab a hold of Dale before we lose him. Uh, once the scotch really kicks in.
0: <laughs> I think it kicked in like 15 minutes ago. Because he's been DJing the S no. out of this episode. Just gives me a good excuse to DJ. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't need an excuse, Dale. Thank you. So what did... Uh, None of us had read this previously, correct? Correct. That's correct, correct. yeah. Oh, uh, man. Jonesy. I want to hear from Jonesy before I give my opinion on this book, please. I
0: adored this book. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you agree you're about to rip me apart, but that was a great uh, sound effect. Uh, he was... Everything
3: he was wrapping his hands in gauze and then hot glue and dipping them in <laughs> broken glass. In broken so get, glass, getting ready for the battle. He's about. He's going to just backhand you across your face. James
0: use it. my face as a speed bag. Is what you trying to say? He's going to tong po all over your face. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, everything about this book, I think, is uh, magical, and it also tries to be topical and uh, thought provoking. And it's a story about four lions. So think about that. Think about that as the delivery system of a different view of the Iraqi invasion. And uh in that way, PKV is pretty brilliant about weaving this tale. Um and he doesn't try to he doesn't try to give you some strange separate society uh, it well, doesn't go deep with you know lion mythology. He just tells the story, you know what I mean? Tells the story of four lions who take on you know human characteristics for a short st- for a short time. And Slim, your thoughts on uh, Pride of Bad Dad? <laughs> I feel like that big hook just came oh, and God. grabbed me off the stage. The problem, I know Slim.
3: Ex- he's kissing SoundCloud goodbye right now. That's <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: I I just can't wait to reference this at a later time when we talked about operation Iraqi freedom and you were playing bombs over Baghdad. Oh man. What a show we have tonight. First of all, amazing, amazing book. I feel like I, I was like in awe when I read the last page and the little two page bit at the end about, um, the Iraqi war unbelievable fantastic and there was definitely moments in the book that you know jolted me like maybe you know when i first started reading it the flashback scene of the one uh lioness the older lioness about how she was ravaged by some of the lions like i was like oh god i'm not sure is the whole book gonna be like this like i don't know it just set like a kind of emotional state right off the bat that i wasn't expecting and then you move on a little bit more, and you get into the nitty gritty of each different character. You know, there's the male lion, there's two females, and the cub, and you follow them as as they kind of see the world that some you know some of them had never really seen. And I just i I was really stunned at the at the end about how how in awe I was of the story. I mean, the ending. Threw me for a loop. I didn't know anything about the story. I just kind of jumped in, and the ending just you know punched me in the stomach.
0: Like <laughs> made there was you no sick, other. Didn't it?
1: it did. It made me really like sick to my stomach. Um, but just a an amazingly powerful story. And I'll be the first to tell you, like I read the story and I didn't even really look in trying to read the political tones into it. And you don't have to. You don't have to. Like my f- first read. I just thought it was a very powerful story that took place during this time frame, and you can get a kind of um, conflicted feelings about the war, whatever um, opinion you have on it, but I didn't even get on the first read, and I'll be honest, I didn't get it at all until I read a snippet about the book where each of the lions' uh, opinions on the zoo was a parallel to their an opinion on the Iraq war which I didn't catch at hmm. all until wow, I read my, that.
0: I didn't catch that till now, and you, you know, just told the, me.
1: The lioness is willing to trade personal freedoms for some form, some form of security. Um, the cub has never known anything outside of the zoo being contained in kind of a cage. Hmm. The male is um, willing to feed willing to sacrifice security or willing to sacrifice freedom to be able to feed his family. And the other female is, you know, wanting to earn freedom and doesn't want it given to her. Like I thought it was, it opened up a whole other layer of man. I actually really want to go back and read this again to see their arguments, their debates as they're trying to leave. And it just, created a whole new viewpoint that I didn't get at first, and you don't have to to be um, impacted by the story, which I thought was fantastic by Brian K. Vaughn, like, masterful.
3: <clears throat> the art by Nico Henrichson is, the colors, I mean, the art's good. The colors make it. Like, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous, and it's, like, all the same color palette, so it's mm. it's very striking in that way. Um, a few observations that uh, I love the story, loved it. Um, but I had trouble, and this is because I'm not political in any way. But I, I'm, I guess I don't know if the word is skeptic. I'm a skeptic. Uh, when I was reading this, and there were there were certain, I couldn't help but think there were definite political undertones. In it, and that kind of—I don't know—influenced my opinion on the book. <clears throat> I'm very ignorant to politics, and
1: as evidenced by the bombs over Baghdad, <clears throat> uh, it's
3: outcast. I mean, it's not. Uh, come on, you can't—you can't say "Pride of Baghdad" and not just start singing "Bombs Over Baghdad" because of it. Um. The story started taking turns. I didn't think it was going to take one of them. When you, you brought up Slim is when she's getting arred by the male lion and his brothers. Like, it's, it was more than anthropomorphic, I guess. It was like human. It was a human story, but they were lions. Like, it felt more than just... Like, I don't know, Grandville or, or something like that. No, yeah,
1: you're absolutely right. I mean, there was another page where, like, the giraffe's heads were getting exploded. And I was like, holy yeah. God in heaven. Yeah, and yeah. that's just, like, that's, like, three pages of just giraffe heads <laughs> and their innards, like, all over the screen. It was very humanized. Um, and the...
3: The story only takes place over like six hours or something if you want to think about it there's no time frames, but I thought it was going to be them like prowling around the Baghdad area for i don't know how long i i don't but i don't know that was my assumption based on nothing but it's a sign of the it's a it's this pride of lions getting a taste of outside the zoo, but I felt. And it's pro- and it's probably it pushes it puts pressure on me because I don't know what the political statements being made, but I know they're being made, hmm. especially when they encounter the bear in the palace. And it's time. Maybe it's time for a new regime, and maybe like that was. It was just like don't make me try to think about politics, bear. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you know, it, but but it's a great story. I was just influenced
0: by by it. Mm. I uh, Dale, I can definitely see your point, especially the ending. Yeah, uh, yes, because it does yes. not paint a positive view of uh, you know U.S. soldiers when they come in. And uh, spoilers: uh, one of the privates or whatever says, "Oh, the lion jumped at me," uh, so we they kill the entire pride. Uh, when it's obvious to the viewer that no such thing happened, they were actually you know weak. Crawling up the steps barely. Yeah. You know, mangy, mangled animals. Uh, So, you know, and and look, I love BKV. I think he's a super talented writer, but I can absolutely see how he turned off a lot of people. Maybe not with the whole story, but that ending is not punctuated by, you know, patriotism in the least. Because, because what you, I mean, you see
3: the last couple pages you see. The first thing you see is bullets riddling lions. There's just holes everywhere. There's gunshots everywhere, and then you see a close. The only then the next thing you see is a close up of the American soldier's sleeve and the American flag. So obviously they did it. He charged me, Sarge. You saw it happen. I had to put him down, Sarge. Like it was just. It felt like that, and there wasn't enough explanation. Especially when he thanks, he's like, "I want to thank the you know." the squad that I got to talk to about this when they encountered the lions in real life because it's based on a true story. But it almost felt like he wasn't thanking them when he was telling the story kind of thing. Hmm. And, that's, and I wonder
1: what I wonder what their opinions <clears throat> of the story was. Like that. Yeah,
3: and because it's, it's obviously Brian K. Vaughn telling a fictional story about the lions and their opinions and their thought process which was very human and nobody it's, which is impossible to ever know the true story because they're lions. But it, I'm curious is if they took any offense or, or whatever, maybe I took
1: enough offense for them. I thought it was the way that they displayed, like you could, like it was this gorgeous scene where the lions are at the top of this rubble watching the horizon that they talked about since the beginning of the book that they might never see again. And I almost, now that you explain it, I think that it it did such a powerful way of displaying the violence of war in a way that could only happen if it wasn't happening to humans. Like, we've been reading comics for so long and watching movies where if that was just some dude getting shot up, it probably wouldn't have sucker punched me as much. Yes, exactly. exactly. Four lions and a cub... And then just getting riddled with bullets. And then the cub and then the one lioness kind of death rattle talking at the end. Like that displayed what war is in a manner that for me is probably the only way possible was it's like actual video footage because it's something you don't see. Mm -hmm. And also the humanizing of the characters. How about the scene with a turtle? Where he talks about, you know, what's what's it all for? He's like, damned if I know. And then they do the splash page of his whole family dead, Mm. and he's like, damned if I care. Good lord, amazing page.
3: Yeah, and they're like mired in oil, and because he was there for the last one, it was it's that's that was some powerful stuff. When you're just expecting lions and and turtles, which you weren't expecting, but they're I mean they're super.
1: I mean, you can see you can see the the grief that turtle was grief stricken in that panel mm-hmm. like that's just a that's hard to do as an artist and I mean that page was amazing
0: I mean just think about what you just said and the reverence of what you said it that, that turtle was grief stricken <laughs> yes. but you said it with absolutely uh, correct emotional inflection, and we both just uh, agreed with you without question, yeah I mean that's got to say something for Brian came on and the level of skill he brings I mean, to the story
1: also the 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 artist i mean I don't know how many times he tried to draw that turtle's face to get that right pitch perfect mood, but I mean absolutely nailed it I thought the the bears um i don't know what they did to instill fear from the way that bear spoke but i was like taken aback by how well that bear was written i thought they they finally see
0: him when that bear shows up i did not think zill had a chance oh yeah of fighting off that thing
3: i mean and the and just like the lions the bear looked like art but it looked like a bear like the way his lip hat hung
1: Oh yeah, swinging around all drooly. Yeah,
3: and it it just looked like live footage of a bear, like still pictures of a bear growling mid and mid growl is is absolutely intense. Just save for the lucky chance that the bear fell out a window. I mean, I don't think anybody stood a chance. That guy was huge,
1: mm-hmm.
3: but it was fantastic.
1: Yeah, the um, I mean, some of the other pages that were great, not just artistically but story-wise, where the cub looks up and sees the fireflies, but it's just more, you know, ammunition flying across their head, and I mean the final splash, the two-page splash where they showed the actual horizon. Phew, get that, get that thing framed. I mean, right before they get riddled with bullets, but
0: still. I think every scene in the palace, especially. Where they come upon the the dying line uh, mm-hmm. was I mean everything was uh, of course we we've already said it particularly moving, uh, but I thought it was maybe a missed opportunity that they saw the ultimate version of being a captive, or maybe that was the opportunity just to show maybe maybe that's me missing it because to your point I really have to go back and read this again with the political undertones in the forefront of my mind, because I feel like I missed 50% of the story because I wasn't in that frame of mind when I read it. But I thought that uh, scene where the older male lion is chained up and, and it's just like, this is not a life, you know, just let me die. Mm. you like, wow, wow. And they were just saying how great captivity was like 10 pages ago. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that could have been, yeah, that, that was definitely political too. I didn't even think about that. He was just... I mean, it got real when everything changes when they throw a skinned donkey into the cage. Like, the zookeepers had enough forethought, at least, because they knew they weren't going to be coming back anytime soon. So they take one of the donkeys from the zoo, skin it, and throw it into the cage, at least, to give the animals, give the lions something to feast on, like, that's all they could do for him, and then they show him hightailing out of there, like, just, just to live it, it's, it's awful to think about, but just to live in a place where that's possible, where you're doing your job, and something drastic happens like that, and it's possible that, you know, you I don't know. You got to hightail it out of there. Luckily, they had the forethought to try to feed the lions, and then the lions got free anyway. But then they mm-hmm. go to war with the monkeys.
1: Which was that pretty scene cool. was brutal. The, too. the monkey gang was pretty amazing. God, I was. I thought that that cub was done for. <laughs> like yes. literally, we were going to see this graphic scene where the cub is mutilated to death, and I'm just going to feel terrible.
0: Which is why the ending is so poignant because they survive all of these perils. And then their last glimmer of hope is literally snatched away. Literally, Sarge couldn't couldn't
3: do anything. Sarge,
1: Dale is a plant for the U.S. military. <laughs> He's been paid off. I mean, I thought it was phenomenal. I, I'm so glad we read it. I I want to seek out more from this
3: Nico Henrichson guy. I mean, I'm fascinated. And he did the colors and the yeah, everything. I mean, oh wow, I didn't see that. Highly recommended, guys. You got you should check this out. I mean, it's it's. I saw little known fact that uh, I think
1: December they're shipping a hardcover version of this. Oh, look out! Book. Are we still tapped in with your bank? Are they listening to this episode? Shh, shh, shh. No, I, the at the whiskey underscore mortgages.
3: The whiskey drowns them out. The rye whiskey.
1: Pride of Baghdad
0: We got your letters I'm gonna open them up Faritan's gonna read them to you
1: Letters at paperkeg.com Do you want to shoot us a letter? We might read it on the air
0: Uh, I'll start. Uh, The first letter comes to us from dear friend uh, K. Allen Boone, uh, host of the Ancillary Characters and Turtle Jump podcast. Uh, He begins his letter, Word to the haps, yo. Great episode on death of the family. Your analysis was spot on. I enjoyed the arc, but some things just didn't work for me. Other parts were great. I suppose I'm just not a fan of Snyder's version of the Joker. He gets the scary right, but his Joker lacked the special brand of crazy that I like about the character. He was more more just a highly capable serial killer. Every creator seems to have their own take on the Joker, though. Which Joker portrayal is your favorite? Mine is Morrison's Joker. He blends several facets of the villain's diverse personality in a consistent and believable way. He is adaptable, uncontrollable, and insane. His Joker, too, in addition to his famed Batman anthology, Morrison's Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth, provides an interesting perspective of the Joker's odd relationship to Batman. Also, it's as creepy as poop. (laughs) Keep casting those excellent pods, fellas. Alan. I I I will say... Uh Jeff Johns Joker in uh Hush is my particular favorite. Jeff Johns? Mm. Uh what's his name? Jeff, Jeff Loeb. Jeff <laughs> Loeb. Jeez. I just I just Farrington everybody right there.
1: <laughs> Robin Williams version of the Riddler. <laughs> I don't think I've read any of Morrison's Joker. I can't think of anything. I didn't I never liked Morrison's Batman stuff. Too weird for me.
3: Yeah, I can't I I was thinking of this letter and I couldn't. I'd, I'd like to check out the Arkham Asylum, but here's the thing, gang. For some reason, we always go back to the Grant Morrison pool, and then we're sorely disappointed, right?
1: Because of his his Doctor Mind Bubble <laughs> that he puts on us. Like he is it's almost. Whacking. It's almost like we picked a Grant Morrison book club <laughs> and then decided not to do it what? because some hosts just didn't get into it at all. It's almost like that happened. But we go almost. back. Well, we go back. I
3: don't know. I don't understand. But I guess I would say Jeff Loeb's version. I I, I haven't read that much Joker, you know. As much as a Batman fan I am,
0: certain arcs mm. is what does it for me.
2: Mm.
0: What host would do that to the Mighty Morrison? Not not I. <laughs> uh, our, our next letter, Dale. Yeah, next letter comes from a uh,
3: friend of the show, Laura Indick. With a confession warning this may be a thesis. Hello there, I'd like to tell you a story. I feel like we're at this point in our relationship now. You know, it's about a book a little book called The Walking Dead. Maybe you've heard of it. Back when it first was started coming out, The Walking Dead wasn't even on my radar. I wasn't part of the creator owned snob jaying off to graphic designed covers, image <laughs> cult yet. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Maybe I saw some covers and thought, zombies, cool, I'll wait for the trade. Who knows? Next thing I knew, I stumbled out of the proverbial hospital room into the zombified world, and it was all anyone was talking about. Everyone and their grandmother was watching the TV show, and the comicsology top-rated section was just a Walking Dead covers gallery. My Grinch heart said, never will I ever read this book. Fast forward some years... Thursday, May 15th, 2014. A morning like any other. I like to think myself out of the blue. Maybe I'll download an issue onto my iPad. Why not? I'm feeling open-minded. 48 hours and 127 issues later. What day is it? What just happened? I, I, have I been fired from my job? Where even am I? What is the point of this tale, you ask? And then she puts a little meme in the email. Embedded memes, folks. She's got it. Yeah, baby, she's got it. Of uh, Hannibal Lecter is the meme. What is your embarrassing comic secret? The comic you publicly mock but secretly love. The book you said you'd never read but some situation forced it on you and now you're addicted. At Dale underscore A, do you still read that dog effing book regularly? <laughs> I believe it I don't even know if it was an ongoing. I did no research for this letter, but just let me have this, okay? We all know that despite his protests, Slim finished every ish of both Lock and Key and Immortal Iron Fist and now passionately writes on forums about them, right? As for Jonesy, to be honest, I'm too scared to antagonize him by making a guess because he hasn't told me to ES in like a whole ep, so let's just
0: leave it at that. Can't wait to hear them, guys. La- Dale, uh, you're supposed to read the letters uh, from the papercake account, not your personal email. <laughs> you're not supposed to read those on the show.
1: I do want to say that that was the most hilarious GIF in an email. It was the Hannibal Lecter... Uh, <laughs> what was it? The quid, quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Oh, my God. Hilarious. <laughs> I... The only
3: thing I can think of, and it's not something that I deeply consumed, but you were never... Scout. You were never going to get me read it, save for the return of Paper Keg in episode 76. Sandman. Sandman. You would have never... You would have to make me be the lioness, and you and your four brothers (laughs) come over and just arm me into submission, because you you let me look at that sandman cover gallery and I would shred each and every one of those like high <laughs> high uh security documents i I didn't get anything about Sandman and the big joke was I'll read Sandman when paper keg comes back and then paper keg came back and I read Sandman and I adored it I absolutely adored it and it's hard not to equate comics with paper keg anymore so if there's something else that it was before paper keg i don't remember it but most of the comics that i consume now is for the show in one form or another so
1: can i can i just point out something freaky and we do this every time we reference episode in the past that was episode 76 Mm -hmm. it's been 76 episodes since that episode
3: wow my head
1: mirror in front of a mirror right now that's what we just did
3: but yeah, I I wouldn't. I wanted no parts of Sandman, and I didn't even know what it was about. I just knew I didn't want any parts of it. But I I read it, and it was that one episode, that one issue where those creeps are in the diner. That guy's in the diner, and he just puts a spell over everybody. Oh, oh my god! One of the single most terrifying issues of a comic book.
1: Oh, I forgot about that issue. Uh,
0: I will say that the comic I'm most embarrassed to have purchased. It's my people, dog-effing
3: issues. probably.
0: <laughs> no, the grid knows that I own Crossed in some digital form, <laughs> and I wish I could scrub that data from reality, from the matrix, if you will, but people know that, that Jones Eagles Beer had purchased, downloaded, and viewed Crossed, and I'm afraid I'm being judged the world over for that.
3: Oh, man, completely, admittedly, though, Crossed... I would read Mord Cross if we, if we just did every <laughs> wow. ep- Paper Cake Nights episode on Cross, so I could catch up. <laughs> I wouldn't read it in my personal life, but I get sure engaged.
0: Many I true engaged. things are said by dr- by Drunk Dale. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've never read past Lock and Key, the volume that I was forced to read, and it might, I think it's going to stay that way. So wow. What she said was a dirty lie, untruth. I can't think of anything, unfortunately. I know it's a cop-out,
0: but...
3: Hmm. All right. yeah. uh, uh, letter segment down. Uh, all
0: right, guys. Our next letter from a friend of the show, Cameron Rice, uh, entitled The Last Thing B. Adams Did. In 1996, Brian Adams contributed to the soundtrack for The Mirror Has Two Faces. Oh. And he was lucky enough to sing with Barbara Streisand. Oh, classic. Tell Slim to get it together.
2: Let's make it all fun, But the one you hope to the one you want, the one you need, cause when it's fine. it's one for all, when there's someone that you know, and just let your
3: feet show Oliver Platt, I love you.
0: <laughs> A Disney's Three Musketeers reference for the audience, in case you didn't get it.
3: As was the song from the Three Musketeers soundtrack. I got it,
0: okay? I got it. (laughs) Okay, Have another whiskey.
3: (laughs) Next up, uh, thank you. Thank you, at (laughs) Jurassic Alien on Twitter for bringing that. That is some uh, engagement right there like that. Next up comes from um, Andrew Myers, who is the Indiana Jones Twitter icon at Indie Android on Twitter. Follow him. He's a good guy. Hiya, fellas. I'm a relatively new listener, and I really enjoy the show. Just wanted to drop you a line to let you know the show is appreciated. I never know what to ask, so here's a random question. How many long boxes of comics does each host own? I really like The Severed Ep, and The Death of the Family was so wonderful. I have already purchased two graphic novels solely on your show's recommendation, Hawk Gray and Last of the Greats, Thoroughly enjoyed both. Thanks for putting it together such a wonderful show. Your attention to detail is superb.
1: Yeah, that was nice. Oh,
3: thanks for writing because it's yeah, it's partner. tough it's to write it. into a show when, especially when you don't really don't know what to ask. So uh, we appreciate it. Thanks,
0: Andrew, yeah. for writing. in.
1: Plus, I think that Hulk Gray episode, Jonesy took a big old uh, <laughs>
0: steamy pile of S. I on did, that book. and then I did my patented biggest backpedal ever in some letter segment confession. Or I said I went back and then I really enjoyed it. I never told anybody.
1: How many long boxes do you have, Jonesy?
0: I own zero. Uh, Slim might be able to tell you that I collected all of my different runs into comic binders (laughs) and put them on the shelves like some weird eclectic binder keeper. Yeah, I'd I'd never seen anything like that. I think the first time I saw it was...
1: Maybe 15 years ago, we were at your old house, and I was looking through these binders, and I was like, Chris, what are what are these things, man? <laughs> man? And uh, you were, I think we were probably watching Indiana Jones on VHS at the time. Debatable. And I, I didn't understand it. I, I still don't even get it. You might be the only person on the planet that does that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little peek behind the curtain there. <laughs> so how many binders do you have? Yeah.
0: About twenty, twenty-five. How many comics in each binder? Uh, three. Well, nah. <laughs> I want to say they hold up as much as sixty. Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's like, like a short a box. box. They're heavy. They are heavy. They're heavy.
3: They were hard to move. They got to look we'll like that. they must look like tomes from the Harry Potter movies.
0: <laughs> uh, the just shelf they were on sagged quite guides. a bit.
3: <laughs> yeah, planetary guides for each of the years <laughs> since uh. Elijah Snow, Century Baby, was born.
1: That's I think I have, like, nine long boxes. Where do you have them? Is? I have a closet that's just, l- like, stacked long boxes. I
3: apologize, Slim. I was asking Jonesy. I was going to make it a... Oh, sorry. Is Christian... B-
0: Mini Christian Bale watching over these binders <laughs> as we speak? No, they're currently in... Um, a trash can. Yeah. Uh, tote. Uh, what do you call them the uh, plastic totes you get at Walmart the big uh, moving totes Mm. I just I have nowhere to display them really so what you do is you vacuum seal the page (laughs) then three hole punch the flap and then they stack inside the binder and you have your own cover flow (laughs) guys I discovered this years before iTunes you never thought to patent that thing is it live cover flow? No, I never live crossed my mind.
3: And your, your binders <laughs> that nobody else owns. Um, I probably have... 40. I probably could own 40 if I wanted. I probably oh, have, gosh. I probably have seven long boxes and probably room for three more if I bagged and boarded all these comics that are s- sitting around me on my podcasting table right now.
0: Um, if you've ever been to Dale's basement, it is literally stacks of unbound comics just on this pub height table. That good luck getting around that table for anything because it's comics, you see. The only thing the within feeling? reach
3: is the uh, organic bug spray that you can spray after <laughs> pooping, which. <laughs> Slim fumigated us out of the basement. I once still can't taste certain was,
0: flavors first thanks of to all. that irrigation of bug spray. Who puts bug spray
1: on the back of a toilet? The only spray in the room. It would no. It wasn't Any the only spray in the 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 room. Other other like on the planet. Any other person would have made that mistake. Some per- some person who doesn't put
3: spray, other spray in the room. Don't there was there was spray in the room. Other spray. But. It's like
1: putting it's like putting rat poison next to the salt. It's like perfect
3: storm when I just get done spraying bugs and then you got to go in and uh, get your fix and you you it smells like organic menthol bug spray.
1: <laughs> next episode is going to be a doozy. Can't I can't wait. wait to talk about it. Oh man, you know, I, I can't wait to talk about it as if it was my book of 2013. <laughs> wait a minute we just got done talking about that did we
3: did we talk about it
1: we laid some gravel i mean turn the volume up to the max for that episode guys we'll see everybody next week
0: strongly recommend you get that hammered before every single episode of Paper Cake.
1: That
0: actually That was a treat. Hey, did you have a soundboard ready to go with those songs? Or was it your, your digits is flying over that trackpad, cueing queuing things up, and getting them ready?
3: No, I was actually uh, multitasking because I know at the one minute mark...
2: Let's make it all fun. All
3: So, what you experienced that entire show was me manipulating the time bar on this song, resetting it back to one minute
1: each and every time I needed it. (laughs) That takes precision. I will say that every time he used it on the episode was perfectly timed. I don't think that's ever happened
0: before. No, that was amazing. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. I didn't want
3: to I didn't want to mess it up and just, you know, force it over. Yeah. Everything.
1: You didn't you don't want to go off half-cocked.
3: But it's I'm I'm just like the right kind of you know. I'm not guys, even I'm not even drunk, but I'm I feel nice. You know what I mean? That that's the You term. guys
1: um you guys BJing after this? <laughs> no, <laughs> we we the book jug
3: uh is probably going to be another 2 weeks or so while we power through. How has that not
1: been a verb yet? How has that not come up in We have specifically talked
3: about it, didn't we? We've avoided it. Uh, That's why I name all the file names bookjug <laughs> 008. I don't I try <laughs> to avoid me. the
1: <laughs> I feel like that <laughs> could me. become a that could become a thing like BJing. Yeah, or everyone using that phrase like cult hit. If you if you Book
3: were to Junk. get around to that 7th BJ yet, <laughs> if you were to look in our uh, Dropbox you would say you would see BJ Jonesy mp 3s <laughs> all over.
0: 25-minute B.J. Jonesy.
3: <laughs> That's specifically why I try to avoid the letter B. I embrace
0: initials. it. I embrace the B.J. You
1: embrace the B, The 30-minute B.J. Uh, book jug. Check it out on iTunes. Not explicit, I don't think. No, no. no it's definitely
0: not. Master and commander up next. It's going to be a haul. We'll haul.
3: Um, I had a lightning... Something or other. Elaborate.
0: Yeah, lightning elaborate it was called on me in Shang-Chi.
3: Oh, yeah, I wanted to know more because I did not pick it up at the shop, and I wanted to, but something, uh, I wanted to give it a chance because the most recent all-new Marvel Now titles have been blowing my socks off, but I didn't get this because I had to get a couple other
0: things. I I liked it, and I don't know if it's just because does it uh, feel like Iron Fist another yeah. Iron Fist title? Yeah, Except, I mean the only thing the only difference is he doesn't have any mystical powers that I can see in this issue. He's but, just like a really highly trained shield operative who gets on all missions. Mm, he's a shield I, operative. I didn't even know this was a the title. There's a Shang-Chi Marvel Now book? Yeah, the mm-hmm. uh, what's it called the Fists of Kung Fu? I didn't even the, see that at all. Yeah, it's it's uh, it reminds me a lot of Enter the Dragon. Like, uh, you know, a Kung Fu master sent on a mission. Hmm. Is he's the a deal? S.H.I.E.L.D. operative? Is that dumb? I don't know if he works for S.H.I.E.L.D., but he got he got a mission from Cap.
3: I really so. like Shang-Chi when he had to... Deadly Hands of Kung Fu was the title name. When he re- had to retrain Spider-Man. It was like the last couple of years. It might have been... Was it during AVX or Spider-Island?
1: might have been AVX. That sounds familiar. That was really cool. Or actually, maybe it was Spider-Island. It was something recent.
3: I just don't want it to feel like I want it to feel like its own thing and not
0: just another it's not a retread of Iron Fist, I okay. can I can say that. Okay. Uh it it opens up uh classic uh cold open where <laughs> a character gets uh you know, surrounded and maybe murdered and then Cheng Chi is kinda like in a very James Bondian way, in the middle of a mission. When he completes it and gets called in by Cap to go on another mission, that's like the start of our story. It's good. It's good stuff. I think you'll like it. I think you should give it a shot.
3: Mm. Yeah, may mm. check it out now. Mm. Mm.
1: For sure.
2: Mm.
0: Oh, did I tell
1: you, um, or maybe you already knew this, but I finished, or I read that second issue of Superman Doomsday Prey, Hunter Prey or whatever, and it revealed the origin of Doomsday. Did you guys ever read the origin of Doomsday? In Wasn't like a, a
0: creature from beneath the crust of the Earth, or some strangeness?
1: No, on like some remote section of a planet, hundreds of thousands of years ago, this scientist uh, genetically created this baby, <clears throat> and on this planet there was like these the most vicious species available in the solar system, and they would shoot out this baby and see what happens. Mm. He wanted to create the ultimate. Human or the ultimate being, and every obviously the baby would be destroyed every time it got thrown out there. But he did it every uh, a new one every day, or like a new one every like four hours, and they did this for de- for decades. And every Jesus. every few years or every few decades, there'd be a different permutation, and the baby would change. Um, the, the baby would like last longer. Last, it lasted like five seconds. And then, like, maybe half a year later, the last six seconds, and then eventually it turned into Doomsday. And That's the baby the baby survived and destroyed the monsters, <laughs> which I thought was bonkers. Good
0: Lord. Kind of reminds me of the Viltrumite's origin from uh, Invincible.
1: Hmm. The, the, like, shocker, like, when this origin was revealed to Superman, because they always wondered why Doomsday would come after Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when the Doomsday... Survived and killed the species on this planet. He eventually was created to like not kill the people who created him, but he went after the leader of the whole plan and killed them. And then they wondered why Superman was always the 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 guy that Doomsday always went after, and it was revealed because Doomsday recognized Superman's DNA from that planet, and Doomsday was created on Krypton.
0: Oh wow! Before
1: Krypton was like Krypton. Wow. That makes
3: all kinds of sense. Bonkers, huh? When you just read The Death of Superman. Yeah, it has a different... (laughs) You're just like, "What what the hell's Doomsday got to do with Superman?
1: Yeah. It was really cool. Huh. Wow. Long
0: show. Another long one. It's planetary. Length right here. No. Hour 18. Oh, my God. We need to cut it off. We need to cut Dale off from the bottle. We need to cut this episode off. Cut your third pair of socks off. Listen, the sock hate has got to stop. The Biden tweets are getting out of control. Yeah, you probably got notified every time that, that tweet was I did. faved. I did. Somebody favored a tweet that you were mentioned in. Write up your A is what it said. That, oh one, I, that, almost up. Double, that one almost hit double digit faves. Oof. I think it was like. It was so ten. bad that my subtweet got favorited a couple times. <laughs> oh god,
1: I felt pretty happy with that one. Yeah, yeah I'm glad. I'm and like, and the good thing about that is
3: just more material we could just mine for the show. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's Absolutely. gold. That's going to be gold. Yeah, for just
0: dog pile on my two socks. Just you know. Oh yeah. Dog pile, sweat pile, BJs, <laughs> blister pile. Blister pile. <laughs>
3: Mel Torme wouldn't be wearing two pairs of socks. I'll tell you that much right now.
0: He'd be up there on stage sit with one He'd pair. Probably of socks. have two women constantly rubbing his feet. He doesn't need socks. Well, I mean, <laughs> oh god, here we go. Can we can we edit the name of my my company out of there?